Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And hopefully you've been listening to all the stuff that we've been uh, putting out for you guys. And if you remember from a couple podcasts ago, we were speaking about RMTs that add on a whole bunch of stuff to their practice. We spoke to a sport massage therapist who actually jumped into sport massage therapy straight out of school um, went into being an RMT and said, hey, I want to add this in. And one of the other ones that I really want to talk about was osteopathy. Really, we should probably call it by its most proper term, which is a osteopathic manual practitioner. So I'm sitting here with uh, Jennifer. She's in our space today and she is an RMT, has been for nine years and has just recently started um, her osteopathic manual practitioner program. So um, why don't I throw this to Jennifer and let her tell everyone a bit about herself. Hello everybody. Uh, so I'm Jennifer Vaz. I'm a registered massage therapist. Uh, I've been practicing for nine years now, and um, I have my own home office business located in Liverpool, right Bailey on. Pickering, uh, called Remedial Movement Therapy. Uh, so I decided to take on this new venture in manual osteopath. It's a good addition to have for an RMT because we can use and utilize um, new skills, hands-on Things that we kind of touch on in massage, but we don't necessarily uh, know in depth about. So I find uh, the manual osteopath course kind of um, accentuates and um, improves our learning to um, provide more optimal treatments for our clients as a whole. Cool. So let's back this up a little bit. So you were you're a massage therapist practicing for a good nine years prior to deciding to go back to school for this. Give us an idea of what your practice was like and how you are looking to use this in conjunction with what you already have going on. So um, in my practice, I have like a variety of clientele, many conditions, many injuries, mm-hmm. um, different ages, all aspects, etc. The reason why I want to use this and what I hope to get from this is to be able to help my clients on a holistic level. So treating like visceral organs, scar tissue, doing craniosacral therapy, which can help. And I've had it done. I've had these treatments done to myself. And I did find craniosacral therapy really helped with like my headaches, my migraines. I'm a post-concussion sufferer myself. So I get vertigo. I don't get vertigo anymore since I've had the treatment. And my headaches have really dissipated a lot. Give me this backstory on the concussion. One Um, concussion? I've had a few. So I've, from a young age, actually, I did a, I had a tubing accident. I've been in a few car accidents as well. Snowboarding concussion where I hit my head and it felt like it was shaking and I almost vomited. Um, There was one in volleyball actually where I saw stars. So someone from the opposite team spiked it, smashed me in the head. Oh, you were were standing in no man's land. Oh man, I was the target. (laughs) So that one I actually saw stars and then I heard um, like crackling in my jaw. It was like pops, you know, like the the pop rocks back as a kid. I heard that in like my right ear and my jaw shortly after. By the way, you just dated yourself. Yeah. I don't think pop rocks exist anymore. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So then then you've, so then you've had cranial sacral work done by a, a manual osteopathic practitioner. Yeah. 
Oh, right on. And there's also um, cranial sacral therapy that you can take separately too, right? Yeah, I had it done. It was really good. Uh, you actually feel the manipulation of your cranial bones. So I actually felt them move. Yeah, and my body and how it reacted. It was a very healing experience uh, and very intense. And I felt like all this pressure was like moving in different areas of my brain. Oh, wow. It was really cool. So then like through a combination of wanting to help with your patients a little bit more and offer them more than what massage therapy can offer and the combination of that and then previous experience that you've had as a patient or a client makes you say, hey, like this is something that I really want to add into my practice. Then. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. So give us an idea then about the, the education process because the way I understand it, how we were just riffing for anyone that's listening. Hopefully everyone's listening. Huh? For everyone that's listening, we were just riffing before we started, before we jumped on the mics and threw the headsets on about um, the school system to become a manual osteopathic practitioner and how if you already have a designation in healthcare, like a registered massage therapist or a physiotherapist, and you guys get the idea that many of the educational institutions will have some sort of condensed or accelerated program. So why don't you give us a little bit of information about the program that you are in now? Um, tell us kind of like how, what what the admissions process was like for any RMTs that are listening. They're like, hey, this is something that I've been thinking about, but you know what, I've looked at some of the websites. It's just really not giving me the information that I was hoping for. You know, having someone, you know, tell it to you is obviously a lot better. So give us an idea of what the admissions process was like, what the requirements were for you to go to um, the educational institution that you're at now. Okay, so um, the institution that I chose was National Academy of Osteopathy, and uh, they offer a program, an accelerated program for RMTs, physios, chiros, etc. Uh, to get your Diploma of Osteopathic Manual Practitioner designation. It can be one to two years, full-time, part-time. To apply, you basically need to send in like your transcripts from your college, previous health education that you've had. Do you know if it makes a difference if you've gone to a community college for RMT or a private career college or does that not matter in terms of your transcripts? I don't know if it does because I gave in my transcripts from my community from Centennial College so and that was allowed. I assume it doesn't really make a difference because I know many people that have gone on to go to school for this uh, manual osteopathic practitioner course and they, they are coming from a private career college so I don't imagine it being something that would be a problem. Did you have to do any kind of interview as well? Uh, no, actually. Oh, cool. So it was just your kind of application and that was part of your application? Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. And so I guess maybe um, a reason as to why you wanted to join. Cool, cool. So in terms of the classroom setup, roughly how many other students or participants are in a class with you? Um, I'm not too sure. So I chose to do the online. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I I'm didn't know that was an online. option. Yeah, there's, there's two. So the online is going to take you a little longer though. So I chose to do that one part-time. You're supposed to designate you know two days 15 to 20 hours a week practicing and studying it's all video so it is like you're there you get the videos they're zoned in on the treatments i find it very effective because i can rewind yeah exactly when you're in a classroom you can't really unless you're recording yourself exactly then... or the teacher you can't really always recall everything and you have to always take notes like crazy where i find this is actually a really good tool because i can always go back and be like how do i do this again and then it's just always there for me to go to there is um, practicals that you have to obviously join in with and they're two weeks full time where you have to do like your spinal mobilizations similar to massage but a little more advanced and then there's um, muscle energy techniques 
that you have to learn craniosacral therapy, visceral manipulation, facilitated positional release, counter strain. There's a lot of soft tissue techniques and that you have to do in that practical. And then you also have to have, uh, I forget how many hours of like hands-on experience with clients. So I have like login forms, hours, same similar to massage, you get your health history intake and all this with like your treatment notes. And then in the end, you build like case studies and then research papers. And it's it's great. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's great. So how is the, if you kind of compare it to massage therapy school, give us an idea of some of the things that you were learning that are similar. Some of the things that you were learning that are completely like you've never seen them before in massage school. I mean, you've probably seen them before because you've been in the field for nine years, but formally in education. So give us an idea of stuff that is kind of repetitive for massage school. Okay, so I find orthopedic examination. We we all did remedial exercise, orthopedic examination. We are learning. I do learn more assessments. So it is similar. It touches base on the ones that we've already been taught, but it does add to other ones. Um, so that is one program that I find I'm learning a bit, but also similarities. Um, of course, the craniosacral is not something we've ever really touched on in massage. Yeah, you don't get that in massage school. No, we don't. Unless, unless, unless your instructor you... goes kind of above and beyond. And teaches you some cranial. Exactly. exactly. Um, muscle energy, we touch on it, but there wasn't a big uh, program that showed you all of the areas that we can do it on. If anything, we did it maybe like on a few areas of the body. We learned it and we learned like, you know, the effects of it and everything, but we didn't really touch on those techniques a lot, which I do find very effective. I have practiced and used them in my clients and I, I do find like it's really good for pain, spasm, and it can help improve muscle tone. It's really good for the elderly to help benefit them. You know, for anyone that's listening that is not familiar with some of these terms, let's let's define them terms are being thrown around they're like oh man i gotta google that now yeah so give us an idea of what you mean by muscle energy or what is meant by muscle energy so i was it's similar to um pnf proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation techniques um so basically what the therapist is doing is you are getting your patient to uh contract the muscle that is the issue and we tend to do it more in a neutral position it's not so much taken into the stretch right away you start in a neutral position of comfort you activate it it's about five to ten percent of their of their strength and then you hold that five to ten seconds the contraction and then you wait you pause for like two seconds to get the nervous system back and then you take it into a stretch afterwards and then this helps to kind of um, trick your stretch reflex it's a reciprocal inhibition type of technique and then what happens is that it just you get immediate results of range of motion so right after it's taken you stretch and then you repeat the process three to five times. It's a great technique. I've used it on a lot of my clients and I've I've seen some great results quickly for range of motion, like immediate. Right, right, right. So it's great. Yeah, because those muscle energy techniques, they're obviously going to be used to deal with problematic muscular tissue and connective tissue, but also for joint as well. So we do teach a, like an advanced joint mobs course at Con Ed Institute. And um, we use muscle energy techniques, for example, you know, causing, creating a distraction at the anterior pelvic joint or creating a distraction at the SI joint. So, yeah, great for, great for uh, soft tissue and great for joint stuff. 
Um, what else were we talking about there? Uh, cranial sacral. Give us an idea of what that's all about. Again, we've all heard the term. Um, you know, not everyone that listens to this podcast is going to be a manual practitioner. So let's give them some insight as to what cranial sacral is all about. So cranial sacral therapy is uh, it's a very gentle, subtle therapy, and it's basically um, mobilizing the cranial bones. So what we have in our brain, brain and spinal cord, we have these meninges, these layers, protective layers, and around this we have cerebral spinal fluid. This cerebral spinal fluid has its own rhythm. It's like a pulse rate. And so what an manual osteopath can do is we feel this rate of um, this pulsing rate and it does this expansion and retraction and and it's all about the flow of this fluid. So what can happen is from say a head trauma or concussion or you know anywhere in your brain or spinal cord, this can affect the flow. So if you've been compressed in the front of your head, your frontal bone, it can affect the posterior flow. The blood flow in between these areas of the brain can become compromised and then this can affect other areas. Because everything really, our brain is a huge organ that really controls everything. I mean, our hormones, all the glands, pituitary, like everything is here. So if this is all compressed, it can have an outturn effect, right? So this is stuff that you're you're learning in school now that definitely doesn't get touched in massage therapy school, like we said before. So give us an idea of like kind of the manipulations that are happening. So this is manipulations that are all happening at the cranium? Yeah, they also um, touch on the sacrum and... Uh, the like the different diaphragms of the body so like your pelvic thoracic there's a hyoid i'm still learning it so i it, pardon me if i sound inaccurate but um there's different diaphragms in the body that they also touch on and then just to kind of notice the flow and the fascial restrictions in these areas and it helps to kind of treat and allow the body to just naturally heal itself and it it does I, you feel it yeah you feel it when it happens that's that's super interesting and that's, I can definitely see how that's going to be a nice addition to what you already have going on as an RMT. What else is there, you know, that are, that we're seeing some similarities? So between... we did touch on um, abdominal massage, but not really like the, you remember the I love you where it's kind of like around yep. the ascending, mm-hmm. transverse descending colon. Like so what Jennifer's describing of... is uh, typically in massage therapy school, when we're learning to do, uh, to deal with GI disorders and the most common one that you're typically learning in massage therapy school is constipation and we're talking about doing a an abdominal massage to help with constipation exactly and uh so we touch on that briefly and maybe the diaphragmatic release as well we Mm -hmm. learned so these are some of the techniques but for visceral manipulation it's more about um they touch on all the organs like a lot of the organs so you got your kidneys uh your heart liver spleen small intestine, large intestine, stomach, the uterus, bladder. And so it's basically mobilizing to help the function of these organs. So what happens is say you've had surgery or an injury uh, from a condition, medical condition, you know, you have colitis or Crohn's or something, right? What can happen is that organ becomes fixed around this uh, point of scar tissue, ptosis, I believe is what they call it. And uh, the movement and motility of this organ now is compromised function follows structure. So it's all related. If the organ structure is compromised, the function will also be compromised and in turn will affect other organs and structures relative to it. So it's a, it's like an ongoing process. That's why you see when people have these conditions, they end up having other ones that come later on and it's because nothing is really flowing properly together. 
You know what I mean? You have a low stomach. It can pull on the fascia here. I, I, I guess I can't. Really <laughs> <say>. <laughs> it's like you're not seeing this. <laughs> but it's it's everything is really related. Right, is right. basically what it is. So let's let's talk about then. Give us an idea of of the profession itself. So where do you see the profession being in the you know the, the realm of complementary alternative medicine we kind of already have an idea of like the role of physiotherapy the role of chiropractic the role of massage therapy even though there's like a lot of variation within each of these designations or these professions um there's definitely you know a certain niche that they fit into and so where does osteopathy kind of fit in maybe i shouldn't use the word osteopathy manual osteopathy, manual osteopathy. so um where, where does that kind of fit in because we can see how it's kind of like a comp i it's mean there, there's so many overlapping layers between the different manual therapists so where does this really sit in as kind of an individual profession on its own because i can definitely see how you are using it in in conjunction with your massage therapy and all the other certifications that you have that go along with your massage therapy but then someone that's looking to practice only as you know a manual osteopathic practitioner where do they fit in that realm of this complementary alternative medicine umbrella because you're taught in all the areas that we are plus more so it is like there is a whole section of soft tissue, which is all like massage techniques, petrosaws, effleurage, you know, muscle kneading, um, trigger point therapy. It still touches base on massage a lot. And then uh, lymphatic drainage techniques. Like I think it there's joint mobilization. So you can also kind of it's similar to the chiropractic effects without the full force high velocity low amplitude thrust right it's more safer more gentle there's also like um, a physiotherapy component where you're like remedial exercise showing strengthening exercises even dietary component so it kind of touches on all all of the therapies and it's just combined into one it's great even to do on its own if it becomes regulated, that would be great too, right? Right. So in terms of regulation, there's a couple of cool things. Well, I don't know if you would call them cool, but there's a couple of things about um, the term osteopathy and osteopathic manual practitioner that I think we should probably clear up. So there is a designation called a doctor of osteopathy. That's, that's correct. And um, I believe that term is typically used throughout the United States. And there are certain schools, accredited schools in the United States, that if you obtain your education and you now hold the title of Doctor of Osteopathy in Ontario, if you have that designation, I think that makes you now eligible to become a member of the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario, which is a little different than the schools that offer osteopathic manual practitioner and i i believe the diploma is called a, a domp yeah diploma of osteopathic manual practitioner and that's what you're seeing throughout canada and i guess the majority of the schools are in ontario so give us a little bit of information then so once you're done school because this is an unregulated that's kind of why we were laughing before um because it's an unregulated uh, profession and therefore there's all there it's not as clear-cut as some of the regulated professions you know a regulated profession essentially is the there's a governing body so there's a college um that will regulate the profession will regulate the members is mandated to protect the public but with manual osteopathic practitioners there is 
no governing body. Is that correct? Correct. They do have associations that do have their own guidelines, and that's their way of governing, having these um, outlines that you have to meet. And they also do still have their own board exams that you also have to pass. And there's membership fees is involved as well. So it is similar. It's just that you have a wide variety of right on. Okay, associations so, so to this is, choose from when you're finished. So then this is looking more like the idea of massage therapy in the unregulated provinces where you can go to school, you go to an educational institution, you obtain a diploma in massage therapy. And if you're in an unregulated province, well, there are several different associations that that you can become a member of and you apply to these associations and some of them might have a some sort of licensing exam that you would have to pass so it's it's similar yeah, in that regard exactly okay perfect so what about um job opportunities then and mobility to work is there a lot of opportunity to work as an osteopathic manual practitioner yes um, I believe it's a growing field now and um, there's more and more manual osteopaths out there that I'm finding. And I think it's uh, there would be lots of great opportunities. There's, as there is for massage, there's so many clinics all the time that, I, that actually email me for jobs all the time. And sometimes it's manual osteopaths that they are requiring as well because it's not so recognized yet. Not many people are taking it. And as soon as it becomes, I guess, more knowledge, like more acknowledged, then we'll see more therapists in the field, more in the chiropractic, physiotherapy clinics. Really, you can take it anywhere. Gyms, institutions. I have a home office, so I have my table already. I'll be so essentially impl the implementing that into my treatment. Right on. So essentially the same way you'd run any other complementary alternative medical um, practitioner setup you're good to rock and roll with osteopathy and it's a growing field so you know to be kind of at the beginning of something that appears to be expanding rapidly is pretty exciting yeah right on so is there anything that you would like your patients or your your clients like uh, one thing that about massage therapy or even some of the other therapies there's always this little piece that you wish you know what your patients or clients or the general public knew about what you did. So for example, you know, and you could speak to this probably, you know, just as well as anybody else in massage therapy, like there's this connotation about massage and touch and it's always just gets fucked up with the general public and no one truly understands what massage therapists do unless you frequently get massage therapy or you're in the field. And even when you're, when you're in the field, when I say in the field, I mean healthcare, like there's, there's always a whole handful of other healthcare practitioners that don't fully understand what massage therapy is about. Is this the same kind of thing that you're experiencing with the, with osteopathic manual practice? Yes, I would say, yeah, I would say, but it's more, it's not recognized, right? So people are like, well, what is osteopathy? It's a modality, manual therapy. It can help a lot of conditions um, with many variety of techniques. It's similar to massage. It's similar to Cairo. It's not recognized, which is the issue, but so is massage. People don't know that we can assess. You know, people are unaware. Physios don't know that we know a lot of the similar um, orthopedic examinations that they do. Mm -hmm. They seem a little thrown off when, when you mention it. Definitely, yeah. It feels like as a massage therapist, uh, you know, we know what we know and we know it very well. And there's a lot of things that we know. And generally it feels like we're thrown on the lowest rung of the ladder when it comes to the medical scene. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big part of it is to, you know, massage therapy is just this huge spectrum. And on one side it's super service and the other side is super medical. And the majority of us kind of sit somewhere in the middle where osteopathy or manual osteopathy 
osteopathic practitioners appear to be a lot more on the medical side of things most definitely so do you find that that you are having to explain a little bit more to other medical professionals like physiotherapists or chiropractors exactly what osteopathy and osteopathic manual practitioners are all about yeah i find yeah although some people do already have the knowledge like some practitioners are aware of it maybe because they have worked previously with one or have had the treatments themselves I've worked with physios who've had um, treatments from other osteopaths and they, they recognize that it was the only thing that helped them. So, I mean, um, it is becoming more recognized. It obviously needs to be more. Just like massage, though, it needs to be. We need to be more valued as therapists. Definitely. We definitely are on the low spectrum. And I think people think it's all about relaxation when they hear of massage. And that's the problem. They don't think of therapeutic. That is definitely true. And I think a lot of that comes with, you know, the, the Massage Therapy Association, the registered registered massage therapy association of ontario i mean yes they've done some great work in terms of you know dealing with legislation and things like that and dealing with the college but have they been doing enough work in terms of public education about massage therapy and um, education about massage therapy to other regulated healthcare professionals you know exactly. that that that's a whole other podcast which you're more than welcome to hang in on yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would <laughs> right on so i i love what i'm hearing about your choice with uh your program so give us an idea um of where you're looking to take this then so you you, you plan on continuing with your home-based business or are you planning on when you're finished you know expanding it to something a little bit bigger maybe working with a team what, what are your what are some thoughts or or do you not have any yet are you just kind of well i um ideally i really want i love my home office but i ideally want my own wellness clinic because i also do yoga teaching and i want to incorporate that as well and um, movement is important and Definitely. i think that is a huge thing i want to incorporate is just getting people moving and um i want to offer the massage the yoga and the osteopath you know like wide range of services and uh yeah just like what you're doing <laughs> sounds good so if if uh if someone wants to get in touch with you to to be a patient or a client of these wide range of services, how can they get in touch with you? Well, you can uh, Google me. Uh, my business is Remedial Movement Therapy. I have a Facebook page. Uh, my email, you can also contact me for an appointment or inquiries, vaz.wellness at gmail.com. Can I throw my number in here? Of course you can. 416-389-6512. I'm not responsible for any of the phone calls that you yeah, might get. <laughs> no groups allowed. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Is there anything else that you want the masses to know about your new path or your the path that you're on now to add on to all the awesome things that you're doing? Or you want to just call it a wrap on this? Call it a wrap. Right on. I think we're good. Sounds good. Right? Yeah, for sure. This yeah. was great. I like all the information that you gave us. This is, I find this to be awesome because, you know, I've, I've, because we teach courses here at Condit Institute, we run into a whole bunch of different types of people. And a lot of them have this, you know, I want to do something more. I want to do something more because yeah. I think there's a, a big part of it is because they have a very limited idea of what massage therapy is and what it can be. So in our courses, we always teach the idea like massage therapy doesn't have to be you in a 12 by 12 room that's dimly lit 
that smells like lavender and Enya's playing, right? Yeah. Like that's that's <laughs> just that's just one idea of what massage therapy is. And it doesn't have to look like that at all. And if you notice through a lot of social media, you know, you can see a lot of people, you know, really taking it to the extremes in terms of what they're doing, you know, practicing um, in in sport environments or working with athletes, you know, doing treatments that are in uh, having treatment spaces versus treatment rooms, seeing multiple patients at a time because they start to utilize some more of these add-ons and it takes them out of this traditional what everyone thinks of massage therapy. So we get a lot of questions as to like, okay, well, I'm thinking about doing the doing um, osteopathic manual practitioner, but I just don't know enough about it. I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough people you in it. by doing Exactly. But that takes that <laughs> takes a little bit of, uh, of, of courage, I'll say, on your end to, to be like, you know, this is, it's not a regulated profession. It's kind of growing. There's so many options for schools. There's so many options for associations when I'm done school. Uh, did you know someone that took the course prior to prior to you taking it? Uh, personally, no. Right. So then this goes to it as well. It's not I did like have treatments though. You had treatments, but then it's not like you can sit down really and kind of pick someone's brain about what it was like. Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? What do you learn there that's so different in massage? How can I put this in? So I think, you know, you taking the time today to give us some of this information is a huge value to anyone that was one, just curious about what it's all about and or curious about I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm having a serious thought about putting this in to my practice where do i go how do i do this next thanks for coming hopefully you'll you will uh walk in these doors and record with us again absolutely sounds good you've been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone in this case it's been mark and jennifer hanging out shooting the shit in the office hopefully giving you guys some good stuff